Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. All right, let's go to Philippians chapter number two. Everybody doing all right tonight? You awake? How many had a work week so far? Got a few things done? <laughs> How many have faced some challenges? Okay. I'll raise this foot too. All right. If you exercise your faith in the middle of a... If, well, here's the thing. We know that you can't be tempted beyond what you're able, because the Lord said so. So if it's in front of you, what do you know? You can take it out <laughs> by the grace of God. Amen? Now, this is a development process, and the, spiritually, the more you exercise yourself to, to um, know your, your senses, know both good and evil, you'll be able to discern things. The more you grow spiritually, you'll be able to take thoughts captive that come and recognize the difference between what the enemy's trying to do and what the Lord's leading you in. And I'll just say this. It actually doesn't, it, it gets easier in a sense, but you don't realize how tricky the enemy is until you move along a little further. And then you realize he's really, he's really developed in deception through the, the millennia, <laughs> through the years. He's the master of it. He's the master of deception. But even in the midst of that, what do we know? We know that opposition gives us an opportunity to work out spiritually. So you don't want to roll over in your fight and get too much in your emotion and give up. Amen. You want to make sure you stand strong. Okay? And we've been talking about this. There's a reason why we're hitting these subjects over and over. Um, because spiritually strong people don't look at battles and go, oh, why do I have to do this again? <laughs> right? It doesn't mean you have to be like giddy about the battle, but when you're weathered as a soldier, you know we're going to another fight and we're going to win by the grace of God. Amen? And you, if, as you grow spiritually, you'll find year after year as you grow and develop, people say year after year, well, what else are you going to do while you're sitting here? <laughs> Grammy, you're what, 86 now? Yeah, just 86 years young. And I can tell you this, she shared a story after story of how God's come through. And sometimes it's with tears, but there's always a connection to faith, amen, and then the victory, amen? Yeah, I mean, you can, the, the people that are, that are still here on the earth and have been here for a little bit longer than the rest of us, if you, if you can get a hold of them and sit them down and say, hey, tell me some stories about how God came through, you that are younger, it'll pay off for you. Amen. Because you'll learn how to do what they did. How many know 86 is not short? I mean, Grammy's short, but... <laughs> that's, that's all right. She's my Grammy. Okay, so... Actually, she's my wife's Grammy. I've been adopted in. <laughs> but anyway, 86 years is not short. When you see somebody who's lived 70, 80, 90, 100, and they're a believer, you want to find out how. And it always comes back to faith in God. Faith in God. Years ago, I listened to a teaching on longevity, living a long time on the earth. 
And the reason why it's important is, I mean, if you escape early and you go to heaven, we'll just knock on your door when we get there and have a few questions for you. <laughs> but you'll be safe because you'll be in heaven, so you can't die anymore. So anyway, uh, you want to live a long time and do everything that God wants you to do because you're going to affect the generation behind you. And if you live long enough, you can affect generations behind you. Amen? And so that's why you want to continue to live, continue to press through, continue to believe God, even though at times it's difficult. That's all right. You're going to go ahead and make it through. Paul said this. He had such an understanding of the grace of God. He said, really, well, everything we're going through, shouldn't. it's not even compare. It's not even comparable to the, what shall be revealed and the glory that is to come. In other words, it doesn't even hold a candle to what we're moving into. Amen? And so um, I was listening to this teaching. You thought I forgot, but I didn't. I was listening to this teaching about longevity. And this, this gentleman, this minister had done studies about people that had lived a long time. And it basically, the common denominator with all of the people that lived a long time, they were not worriers. <laughs> Amen? So, in other words, they didn't, even though, uh, so I'll put it to you like this. I had a great aunt. She's in heaven now. She died at 100, 101. I was at her 100th birthday. And uh, you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, And she died at 100. Do you know she lost her husband and her son in tragic ways? which was not the Lord's will. One of them was a smoke jumper, the son. One was a farming accident earlier on in their, in their lives. And so he was caught in the, in the fire and ended up losing his life. Uh, but she, every time I talked with her, I didn't talk with her a ton, but every time I talked to her, you know what she wanted to talk about? The Lord. That's it. She didn't want to sit and and bemoan terrible situations and what was going on in the earth. She didn't have a worry in her system. Even though she had been through what, what people consider catastrophic life, you know, there's no point in going on situations. But when you have God, and He's your first, He's your number one, you love Him first, you can get in with Him, and His grace is so amazing, it can heal anything anything that you or I have gone through. And you know what? He's not, he doesn't, he doesn't, uh, years ago, I've gotten better at this over the years, but he doesn't, he's not uh, uh, unfeeling toward the thing that you've gone through. He understands where you're at, but he also understands your potential moving forward if you don't let this thing kill you or hold you back. Amen. Amen. So not only does he heal the hurt, then his grace empowers you to move on with your life and live at a, as the the, uh, scripture says, that path that we're on, what is it going to do? It's going to get brighter and brighter and brighter. Come on, how many have experienced that with the Lord? Sometimes people get to a certain level of brightness and they kind of stop. No, no, it's supposed to get so bright, you go, Lord, I can't see where we're going. And he says, you trust me, take my hand. (laughs) In other words, your future is so bright you have to wear sunglasses, right? (laughs) Okay, That's that's, that's a biblical principle, only sunglasses is not in there. But it's still a biblical principle. 
so that you don't give up in your situation. Don't give up. Amen? When you've done all you can to stand, stand therefore. Well, it's rough right now, I know, but keep going with the Lord. It'll get better and better and better and better. Well, as your faith develops, you get stronger. You have to look at this life as a weight room, as a wrestling match, as a coliseum. You are in the fight of faith, but the fight of faith, notice, is a good fight, and a good fight is one you win. So you're fighting, you're laying hold of salvation, eternal life, and you're not letting go. And I'm not just talking about you go to heaven when you die. That's only a portion of your salvation. There's a whole portion that is promise-oriented and empowered by grace for the here and now. We're grateful for the sweet by and by, but we also want to live in the precious now and now. And you can do that by grace through faith. Amen? So, you can make this declaration. You can say, by this time next year, I'll be even in a better place than I am right now in my relationship with the Lord. Amen? You'll be freer then than you are today. Come on. Why? Because God didn't give you a spirit of fear, but of power, love. And people, people sometimes, they get into this frame of thinking. They get in a place where they go, well, if that's the truth, why hasn't it happened? Have you worked that truth? Or have you just discussed your fears and multiplied those and focused and magnified those and cultivated them? If you cultivate the fear, you can't be surprised that the weed chokes out the seed of the word. Amen. Okay? So you have to, you have to, you have to spray Roundup. I use stronger stuff than that, but you have to spray Roundup on the weed, and cultivate the divine seed. Amen? Cultivate it. Fellowship with your Father. Meditate the promises. Declare His promises. And as you do, year after, I can testify, it's been 23 years now that I've been uh, going after the Lord and pursuing Him, and I am way better off today than I was 23 years ago. Way better off. And then the next 23 years, I'll be way better off than I am right now, doing more and fulfilling more of the will of God for my life than I ever have. In fact, I'll be doing what I'm supposed to, and my kids, let's see, 23, yeah, I can go, grandkids, okay, behind them, we're all going down this path, amen? And my faith buddies, my friends and associates, and, my, and the church congregation, and maybe even congregations by then, <laughs> will be doing what? They'll be doing the same thing. They'll have cultivated even more of the relationship with God in their life, the seed of the word, and they'll, they'll have developed and grown, and they're going to be doing more of the will of God in their life, and then manifesting more of the promises of God in their life. It'll almost seem like a dream. Amen. And that's the promise to those who walk by faith. And I did not say we won't go through fights. So don't put me in the category of the false faith preachers. Because I may come get you. 
sit you down and go, let's go scripture for scripture. (laughs) Show me why you believe what you believe. Amen? In other words, we should be what? Not just cocky, but convinced about what we know because of this word right here. It's solidified in us. Amen? Moving forward in the grace of God. So let's go to Philippians 2. You already did. I got to get there. I was just warming you up. Getting you going. I like Bible study. Some people don't like Bible study. They're like, I just need somebody to preach all the time. But you gotta, you got to have some stability. Amen? I like emotion, but we don't live on emotion. I mean, like when your emotions are high, you're, you're rolling. How many been in a service? It's like, I wish I could stay like this all the time. You know, you feel the presence of God so strong. Um, what I found out is that doesn't happen. <laughs> it just, it doesn't. How many know that Paul was on a mountaintop, so to speak, emotionally, when uh, people are being delivered and healed and all of that? But how many know emotionally he might feel something else after he got beat with rods? You think? So what did Paul learn? I live from the inside out. I enjoy all the good that I can down here and everything that's possible as far as the life of God and the joy of the Lord and the manifestation of the Holy Spirit that I can while it's in present. You know, some people, I watch the joy of the Lord, I hit a surface, and I've watched people stand there like a statue, and I'm like, you're missing out on all the laughing you could be doing right now. And you need it because you look like you've been baptized in lemon juice. You know, like they have the holy somber, you know, like they're going to get to heaven and God's going to be like, Mm. <laughs> you know, angry. You know what, you know what Jesus' reward was? Enter into the joy. Wow. The joy. Joy is strength. And so we have within us, and we have this ability to fellowship with the Lord. And we need to take advantage of it at all times, but we don't need to live by emotion, we live by faith. And f- faith is not stoic. Faith is not stoic. How many have uh, seen uh, Star Trek? I almost said Star Wars. I heard Bill Johnson mess that up one time, and I almost did it. All right, Star Trek. So, uh, walking by faith is not Spock. I don't have emotion. I just have faith. We don't see that in the scriptures. You know, the Bible says Jesus rejoiced. Do you know that word actually means to jump up and down and spin around? Now, I want you to get a picture in your mind. Not the picture on the wall of Jesus. Not the one you see where he's just looking and it seems like his eyes follow you. You know, have you seen that picture? I want you to see him laughing hilariously and jumping up and down and spinning around. Because he does it. People say, oh no, little kids do that. Where do you think they got it? From the devil? (laughs) The devil ain't that happy. He's crabby. He's old and he's losing. He's got arthritis really bad. (laughs) And amnesia. He hadn't figured out that all his plans haven't worked. And he keeps doing them. You didn't know this would be a make fun of the devil service, but it is. All right. <laughs> Amen. When you're on the winning side, you have joy. 
Even, even joy is even your strength in difficult situations. Amen. Do you know, I grieved when my father passed away and moved on to heaven. He decided to kick his tent early, and uh, he went up to heaven. He pulled up stakes, <laughs> and he went right to heaven to be with the Lord, and I was sad, but I was not depressed. I never got depressed. Never. Why? Because depression is not a part of me. That's of the enemy. That's not of God. And I know where my dad is. I know exactly where he's at. Um, in other words, it would be like, to give you a natural example, if, if I had, uh, you know, let's say Kylie graduates high school and she moves to uh, uh, Washington State. I don't know why you do that, but she might. So there's, <laughs> uh, let's give her another place to move. Um, where, where are we going here? Someplace good. Texas. Okay, so <laughs> anyway, she moves to another state. I don't cry and get depressed like, oh, where did Kylie go? I know where she is. She's just not in front of me. Now I may cry or be upset or be, uh, uh, have emotion about the fact that she left. But I, it's not like I don't know where she is. Same with my father. I'm talking about my natural dad. He's in heaven with my godly, God the Father. Amen? And I'll be seeing him soon. And people say, soon? You're only 43. Well, soon. In comparison to eternity, it won't be long. And all of us will be gone. Just like that. Amen? But that's okay. Because we've been delivered of the fear of death and bondage. Amen? We've been delivered of it. Philippians chapter 2. Let's get there. All right. I could ramble all night. In chapter 1, we saw Paul by the Holy Spirit dealing with a, diff, with difficult, with a few difficult situations in the natural. Paul encourages the church by using his situations as teaching tools on how to respond in faith. We saw this in the first chapter that we went through, which those are all available on the website if you want to listen to them or watch them. In the midst of pressures from without and pressures from the church, we can continue to grow spiritually and advance the kingdom of God. How many of you know the commission doesn't, the great commission doesn't stop just because there's lockdown orders? It doesn't stop. You find a way to preach. Amen? And uh, people say, well, you know, that's breaking the law. Which law? Because the law of God ranks higher. Amen? You know, if our founding fathers followed some of the preachers today, we wouldn't even have the United States of America. They'd still be under Great Britain's rule with state religion. Amen. Amen or oh me, one or the other. Okay. In chapter 2, we will see Paul begin to address, the har the, address harmony among the church. So what we're going to go from chapter 1 to chapter 2 is we're going to go from pressures without to what can take place within a church. So we're going to look at, we looked at how to respond in faith to things that are going on around us. Now, uh, on the outside of the church, now we're going to look at how to respond as a believer with other believers. Does that make sense? A main goal of the enemy in bringing pressure from without the church is that it causes division among the church. When the church has pressures or attacks without, it can tend to have a wearing effect on people 
And tired people can get catty. Have you noticed that? How many ever been tired before? And you answer short, never been tired. Nobody's ever done this. I'll raise my hands. <laughs> I have done it and I admit it. There's probably evidence on tape somewhere of me pitching a fit like a baby because I was overly tired or I didn't, you know, have enough chicken wings to eat. All right. So unity is difficult for the world to attain. Through legislation and sometimes intimidation, governments try to get people of different races, cultures, and backgrounds to live in harmony with each other with varying success. The church is also filled with people from different races, cultures, and backgrounds. We are to be an example to the world of the power of the new birth, the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit. So how we treat each other is actually, if you read where Jesus talks about this, is actually the supreme witness to the world. Not how we love the world, it's actually how we love each other. If you go in and read and study some of those things, you'll find that out when, in studying love. What the world cannot do, the supernatural power of God can. A sad thing happens when the church starts to live like the world. Paul heard from prison that factions were developing in the Philippian church. Here he writes to remind them of the Holy Spirit who lives in them and the fruit which he produces. In other words, what Paul was saying is in the first chapter, I know you got pressures going on from without. You need to use your faith and not letting those in because if you don't, once they get in, then you're going to be hindered in your relationship with your brothers and sisters in Christ. And then how quickly does the witness diminish, the light of the church diminish to nothing when we're so busy fighting each other instead of the devil? Amen? And so we got to watch out for this. we got to develop. So we'll see this unity through humility. And we're not going to get through a ton of verses here uh, to start out. Usually about two, but my goal is more than that. Okay? Usually about two, but my goal is more. All right. So we see in verses, if you want to write in your notes, if you're a note taker, verses 1 through 11, you could put unity through humility or the fellowship of of love. The fellowship of love. In these verses, Paul sets a standard for unity among believers by showing the example Jesus gave us through his humility and his exaltation. So what Paul's going to do at the beginning part of this, and we'll, we'll go over this in some detail, but he's going to talk to us about, by the Holy Spirit, about who we are in Christ, the power that we have. And then he's going to encourage the church out of that to treat everybody in the body of Christ the way that Jesus treated us and the example that Jesus gave in his earthly ministry. And he's going to basically boil it down. Once you get down to verse 6, you'll see it boils down to preferring someone over yourself. That's what you're going to see as we develop this. So verse 1 says this, Therefore... There is, if, therefore, if, I'm sorry, I'm going to start over. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy. Now, I want you to see this. That therefore, if at the beginning makes it, it makes this verse sound a little uh, confusing. So let me add this to it. Therefore, if, or in other words, since, or in view of the fact 
that there is consolation in Christ. Now, the word consolation means deposit. It means deposit. So, what is Paul saying here? Paul is saying, since, or by the fact that, you have a deposit in Christ, which means you have what? Comfort of love, fellowship of the Spirit, affection, and what? Mercy. Okay? So, in, when they translated this, it's a little, it's a little, it's a little different, because we don't really talk like that. And, yeah, I mean, if you do... Um, People are confused by you, and you should know that. Okay. (laughs) If there is any consolation, Paul by the Holy Spirit is reminding the church at Philippi of what they received in deposit when they opened their hearts to Christ. So this is really not a question. It's a charge. He's saying, look, guys, since you have a deposit in you, this is what should be coming out of you. Now, you'll see this in all of Paul's writings, almost all of them, except for maybe Hebrews. I need to go through Hebrews and look it over again. You'll see it in almost all the epistles uh, written by the the different apostles. Some people think the epistles are the apostles' wives, but they're not. They're just the letters that they wrote. (laughs) You'll get that later. (laughs) You'll see this in all of, of Paul's letters. He'll always go back to... If this is not being produced in your life, here's the culprit, and he'll start talking about the flesh. Now watch. As a believer, if these fruits are not coming forth, it's because your mind's on something it shouldn't be, and you're yielding to a nature in your flesh that you should be crucifying. It doesn't mean you're not saved. It means you need to develop what is in you and put on the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't lose your salvation because you cuss today. Amen. I mean, I'm not going to get any hands on this either. But I know. You guys, you, sometimes people look at me like, why do you say that? Do you know how long I've been in church? Long enough to know that the, the elders have cussed. Not ours, but others. <laughs> I was in the meetings. You say, what is that? Well, they didn't lose their salvation. They yielded to their flesh. People say, I feel so bad. Well, don't just feel bad, repent. You know what I mean? You know, we get into this stupid legalistic garbage when in reality, God knew. He knows what you're doing. He knows. People act like, well, I didn't cuss around the preacher. God is everywhere. Don't hold your tongue on my behalf. (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean? Don't, I just, I can walk into a room and the cussing will stop like that. It will. Why? Because they know I don't cuss. When I was a, when I was a contract, I appreciate it. I'll bring contractors into here to do different work and stuff. And when they cuss, I don't say anything. I'm like, oh, this is the house of God. If God wanted them dead from cussing, he can strike lightning anywhere. If God wanted all the people that are, the believers that are doing things wrong that they shouldn't be dead, he can kill them. He doesn't, it's not like he's short in his hands, you know what I mean? He could find them. The point is, he's trying to work with you to help you 
to develop, amen? To develop you, to, to grow you. I am not asking people to cuss around me. I got to say that. Because sometimes I'll say something in a sermon and people will take it to the extreme. And they're like, wow, the preacher doesn't care, you know? Well, I don't necessarily, but people around may. <laughs> but you understand what I'm saying? This is not about, this is about us understanding who's in us and living out of it. What happened here in Philippians 2, where he's, he's speaking to the church, he's saying, look guys, you're allowing the pressures around you to uh, change the way you're thinking and operating. You're letting them dictate who you are instead of who you are on the inside. You're now living from the outside in instead of from the inside out. Christianity is about living from the inside out. Amen? It's about living from the inside out. Why? If we're born again, we're born of... Nicodemus discovered this. You're not born of the flesh. You're born of the spirit. Your flesh is going to die. So is mine. Unless the Lord returns before we physically die, then we'll just get new bodies like that. Now, that's going to be fun. You know, I, wanna, I would prefer to be around during that time. Changing in the twinkling of an eye, not to mention all the dead in Christ rising. I mean, you know, the world's going to have to come up with something to spin the news on that one. <laughs> oh, who knew Bible study could be so much fun? Okay. <clears throat> so we're headed towards... But our, na our nature inside is new. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All, everything old is what? Passed away. And all things are new and all things are of God. Now that divine seed has to continue to be cultivated and grow. And we cooperate with that divine seed through transformation or trans renewal of the mind through the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. And then out of that, the two, the spirit and the mind lined up, dominate the nature of the flesh and control it. Dominate it. And that's how you become a disciple of the Lord, a mature one, a bondservant. A bondservant is what? One who has given up their will for the will of another. Now, there are lots of converts in the earth. There are not many disciples. There's more than there used to be. But did you notice in the Great Commission, the Lord said to make what? Disciples. Not just converts. I'm for converts. I mean, get as many in as we can. But disciples are more effective for the kingdom than converts are. Because most of the time, converts, if they've never really been discipled and grown spiritually, they look just like the world. Their, their life is patterned after the world. And I'm not talking about growing your hair in long, wearing no makeup, and never going to a movie. <laughs> well, there was my discipleship program. <laughs> All right? That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is the nature of God within you dominates without. And people look at you and go, what is, why? Don't you know everybody's going to die from coronavirus? And you go, no, I don't know that. Aren't you afraid of what? Well, it's real. Yeah, it's real trumped up. And it's really full of fear. And you're not. <laughs> I, I, I joke sometimes. Uh, I have these... I don't, I don't post a lot of things on Facebook. 
um, but I'll share some things between my brother and I, because I can really start a revival or a riot, so I got to be careful of what I do. But I have this uh, picture in my phone, and it shows a guy um, in, and I really want to get this thing. And I'm not, listen to me, I'm not against, wear, I wear masks into places, guys, because they make you, if you, you know, they'll, they'll do an arm bar on you if you don't. I mean, and it's not worth the fight to me, so... <laughs> But anyway, I'm not telling you to go on a rampage and make every store owner lose their job and their business. So here's the thing, though. It, it, this guy has a, has a full thing on, and it straps underneath. Yeah, and it, it, it's like this in case I really want to get this thing. But, and, and then it says, and, and in one picture it shows this guy, and then underneath it shows this picture of a family having Thanksgiving. And at the top it says, normal people. And at the bottom, the family having Thanksgiving, it says conspiracy theorists. <laughs> oh, I love it. People say, you're going to laugh and get coronavirus and die. I'll laugh my way all the way into heaven. At least when I die, I know where I'm going. When you die, do you know? Because guess what? Nobody gets out of this deal alive. Nobody except for those who have found Christ Jesus, the fountain of youth. Amen? Our spirits are alive. So this is what Paul's after here. He's, he's saying, look, there's been a deposit in you. And uh, one, one uh, uh, commentary said this, in the Greek, this verse is actually reminding the Philippians of the reality of these qualities in them, in Christ, but also he was appealing to them to be exercised in the assembly. So in other words, you have this within, live it without. Why? Because putting on the Lord Jesus Christ is witnessing. People can go door to door. They can hand out tracts. They can do whatever they... I'm for all of those things. I've done them all. I don't... Go ahead, do it. People get saved. That's what matters in those situations. I've seen people get saved in the strangest ways you've ever seen. I mean, on the street, just, <laughs> we've done, we've, I've been a part of some fun stuff. But really, being a witness is not going witnessing. Being a witness is allowing the one within you to be expressed without. And that can take on many forms. That could be you just living your life around your business partners with peace and joy. And not having a foul, uh, by foul, I mean not having an argumentative, dissenting, complaining mouth. Amen? It could be that simple. It could be, you know, when people want to argue about everything and create division, you just go, eh, I don't really want to talk about that. You know, what are their good qualities? People say, there are none. Well, then they're a great example of what not to do. <laughs> Amen? It's exactly that way. All right, so Philippians chapter 2, verse 1, in the Living Translation, the New Living says this, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, question mark, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? The message says this, says this if you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care. So in other words, reminder, remember who's in you. 
Remember who's in you, amen? And that way, you'll live from the inside out. All right. So he goes on and he encourages them with that. Verse 2, he says, Fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. So what do we see? Fulfill my joy by being like-minded. Part of Paul's joy... Being full or complete is that the Philippians continue to walk in unity by the power of Christ with the continued goal of advancing the kingdom of God. This also tells me that Paul experienced disappointment at times with the people in his churches. How many have ever experienced disappointment in church? The rest of you should raise your hand. (laughs) Or you've only been here for 15 minutes. I don't know. (laughs) In other words... It doesn't matter where you go, how many have had somebody let you down, so to speak? Amen? But those that are strong in the Lord, those that are focusing on His ability in them, they know that others are not holding them up, the Lord is. Amen? You know, uh, I've, it's, it's just a fact that we need to understand that. When you're close to the Lord, and when you walk with Him, it's not that you don't feel disappointment, it's that it doesn't destroy you. Because you have his nature in you and you're moving forward with that nature. We're coming through. We're going to overcome just like we did for the last however many years. And we'll keep moving forward with the Lord and keep growing and keep developing. The Life in the Spirit New Testament commentary says this, Paul, the crowning joy is that the church, for Paul, the crowning joy is that the church, the redeemed community, will live out of the reality of the gospel. They would be, that they would be like-minded. This expression points to much more than sharing common thought or opinions. It denotes one's total thought and, a, and emotive processes, their whole being, which are ultimately reflected in one's lifestyle. For Paul, there was no disparity between a person's thought and ensuing lifestyle. They were bound up as one. In other words, everything that I am is God's. I yield it all. What did Paul say? Romans 12, 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, that by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a what? Living, which is your reasonable, and that word is actually worship. <laughs> Amen? Worship. People say, I want to worship the Lord with my body. I'm going to raise my hands. You know? I'm going to praise Him. I'm going to dance around and clap. That's all good, but really worship is you give him everything. Because, listen to me, it's actually owed to him because he gave it to, yeah. What do you have, oh man, that he did not give? That's why I laugh at athletes. I'm the best, look what I've done. You took what God gave you and you put a lot of work into it, but if he didn't give it to you, Guess what? You ain't the man. (laughs) Right? People amass large amounts of money and they go, Oh, look at me. (laughs) Look at what? And we've, we've established this. It's not that we don't believe in God's provision and prosperity. We do. But it just means simply this. Your pile of ashes will be bigger than mine when the Lord returns. Because guess what? God don't let Corvettes come to heaven. People are like, that's sad. Corvettes are nice. (laughs) I can think of nicer cars. But anyway, (laughs) there's a debate out there. 
I don't care what it is. You know, people will buy, uh, uh, and, and they can buy whatever they want. It doesn't matter. I don't care about any of that. You cannot tell if a person is covetous by how much money they have. Everybody should have said amen on that. Because I know people that are covetous over a $10 bill. And so I know what they would do with $100 million. And so does the Lord. <laughs> it's my last one. <laughs> well, if you sow it as a seed, you have a promise from your father. Amen? So you can't tell by how much money people have. You can only tell by the heart. Amen? And so we need to be aware of that. The complete biblical library New Testament commentary says this, the statement, fulfill my joy, shows that the Philippians fell somewhat short of Paul's expectations. The preacher put that expectation on me and I didn't meet it. So you can either roll over at the word of the Lord and go, I can't do this, or you can repent and say, Lord, by your grace, let's do this again. You know there's a lot of self-pity in the church. Do you want to know why? Our culture is full of the idea that if you aren't just complimented 24-7, then you're not walking in love. And that is not true. The Lord disciplines those he loves. I didn't say he abused them. I said he disciplines them. And I, uh, I find it interesting because... Uh, if you read through the epistles, more than once, Paul writes in his words to the churches, I expected you to be further along than you are, which tells me that the Holy Spirit would say the same thing to, yeah, me. Right? He would. So then what am I going to do? So I, I read this, uh, and I'll stop here. We almost got through two verses. Good job. <laughs> Did you get anything tonight? Yeah, you learned, right? We grew. We developed. All right. I, I, I saw this. I see this every once in a while. See, I come from faith camp. I went to Rama, So I've been accused of all sorts of things. You know, Brother Hagin gets accused of all sorts of things. And mostly, it's by people who have no clue what he taught. You know, they pick... They pick and choose. They pick some small thing out of the middle of something and, and create a whole website and websites and ministries on how they're the, it's the doctrine of the devil. I was in the meetings. I sat under the man. I know what he taught. And I know sometimes people haven't always represented him well. I don't think anybody has represented anybody else perfectly in that sense. But I'm telling you what, I've been accused of all sorts of things. It's amazing to me. But the reality is, is that... Um, when it comes to the word of God and it comes to the things of God and it comes to the reality of the truths of God, you have to establish your life upon those truths, right? You have to have the, the proof of the written word for why you believe what you believe, amen? And so let people accuse, let people do what they want to do. Let people uh, take things that are in your life or, you know, if you have a ministry or a business, whatever, and accuse you of things that, that they, go ahead and let them talk. If you know in your heart you're right before the Lord, fine. Brother Hagin used to say this to us. He said, I've been criticized by experts. These little spurts don't bother me a bit. <laughs> I picked up, I loved his little 
they're basically just Texas colloquial statements. You know, don't look at me like a cow at a new gate. I have never seen a cow at a new gate, so I'm a guessing that means they're confused. Or don't look at me uh, like a toad in a West Texas hailstorm. Now, what does that mean? My favorite of all, this is my absolute favorite, if all their brains were dynamite and it went off all at once, it wouldn't be enough power to blow their nose. <laughs> I love that one. Andrew Womack has a few good ones too. One of my favorites was, was one of my favorites with him, and I've used it, but how dumb can you get and still breathe? I've said that to people, and they're like, well, breathing is just a, you know, natural. I'm like, it's not a question to answer. <laughs> Why are you answering this? You're proving my point. <laughs> you know, it's just like. <laughs> we live from the inside out. We have the characteristics of Christ within us. So, how are we exercising those, putting them on, expressing them, not, not just to the, to the world, to our brothers and sisters in Christ? And as we do that, and people say, Sean, I thought, you know, we're believing God for a move. Yes, but there's no sense in having heavy weight that the church can't carry the load of. In other words, we could have manifestation of power, but we'll only maintain it through character. You and me both. I have to grow up. You know what I mean? This word, this is another thing Brother Hagin used to do, and you can stand. And we'll wrap this up here. If you stand, it'll help me. It'll help me stop. I know, those seats are comfortable, aren't they? Next time we get new chairs, maybe we'll even get thicker foam. That way I can preach longer. <laughs> Two-hour services. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, two-hour chairs. Is that what you said, Herb? Yeah, exactly. Yep. This is a four-hour pad. <laughs> so even if you have no padding, we've got plenty for you. Some of you will get that later, too. <laughs> Oh, this is a great service. I'm enjoying myself. It's like we're almost on vacation for Christmas or something. All right, so what was I saying? Oh, yeah, Brother Hagin used to say this. He said, people will hear the word taught, and they'll bring, the, they, he said, a lot of people bring their shovel to church with them. And they say, well, that's nice, and they take a scoop of what was taught, and they throw it behind them and say, that wasn't for me. And then he'd say this, he'd, and I'm not going to have you do this, but he'd say, I might have you do the very last part. He'd say, point to the neighbor to your left, and, and, and he said, turn and look at him, and he'd say, say this, the word is, is the word to you. And then he'd say, point to the neighbor to your right and say, the word that is being spoken is for you. And then he'd say, point to yourself, and that's what we'll do right now. And we'll do this for, the word is spoken and written to me. Amen. Now listen, I'm looking at people that'll do it and be stronger. Why? He who began a good work, he'll complete it. He'll complete it. Don't quit on him. He'll complete it. 
I'm telling you, I can smell the harvests that are coming in. I'm not talking about, you know, sometimes because I'm around a faith people and all those things and, I, and prosperity, and I believe in those things, uh, but here's the thing. I'm not talking about harvest just of, you know, natural things and stuff. I'm talking about fruit on the limbs of the fruit of the Spirit on believers, heavy, weighted down, loaded down with peace, love, joy, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. Disciples of the Lord that can walk into the middle of arrows flying, swords and shields going everywhere. Walk in and go, we've got the victory, boys. Let's move forward. Not afraid of anything. Why? I know my destination. Amen? Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.